Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of Political State from the Oklahoman. I'm Ben, along with the Political State crew, Dale and Justin, joining me here in the studio. And a week after the Oklahoma Education Association set the details of its uh, demands for a teacher pay raise, increase in school funding, state employee pay raises, uh, a week after those demands were set and the threat for an April 2nd strike, the legislature has discussed some aspects of that plan, but uh, not much movement so far. Uh, is that fair to say, Dale? There's been a little bit of effort, um, probably a lot of effort, but really little outcome. The Senate. Um, met uh, until almost midnight on Wednesday to uh, adopt a teacher pay raise uh, proposal, which they did. The teacher pay raise passed and uh, can move to the House. Uh, however, the vote on raising the revenue to pay for it failed. Then it failed by two votes. Uh, it's it's uh, kind of surprising that a, a, uh, a tax uh, increase would fail in the Senate because the Republicans have such large numbers but they needed 36 votes, they only had 34. Um, and so what happens from here, um, we're unsure. Uh, however, Senate leadership say that uh, they're going to try to bring it back up for a vote maybe sometime this next week. Yeah. Uh, well, the, it, 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 could be, it could be brought up at any time because it was in special session, mm -hmm. and um, they only have to bring it up within three days, three legislative days of when special session resumes in the Senate, which is, up to the uh, to the pro tem. And how much of a pay raise was that? Was that bill? Um, it would be a uh, a twelve point seven percent pay raise uh, for the um, the the brand new teachers. Mm -hmm. uh, between four thousand and and five thousand uh, dollars for. Um, for teachers depending on their level of education and years of experience. Yeah, I mean it's important to note, so the, uh, the teachers unions demands include a $10,000 pay raise, a $5,000 pay raise for school support personnel, we talked about $200 million for, for state employees. Um, there's been some, some talk and some effort in the legislature, but nothing really that would meet the OEA's demands in terms of what they've set forward. I mean, And, and the, the OEA came out very quickly against this plan saying that it doesn't include uh, pay raises for support personnel, uh, it doesn't include anything about state employees, um, even though um, there was a discussion the state mm -hmm. employees would be included. And OEA actually tweeted out um, that, you know, the, uh, the, uh, what they thought was a, um, um, uh, included as part of the plan because senators had been discussing that with them that there was going to be a state employee pay raise uh, along with this package, but there ended up not being one. Um, and so the, the basically what the Senate presented did not meet the OEA's demands, and they came out, out against it very quickly um, and garnered a, a lot of support. 
Yeah, and that's not terribly too surprising because I, mean, I think you've had similar conversations. A lot of lawmakers that I've, I've spoken with on both sides of the aisle have said that they feel like a $10,000 pay raise is not attainable this year. Now, to be fair, the OEA said, hey, we're looking for $6,000 of it to be funded this year, but within three years, it's got to be to 10000 So, you know, there maybe is a little bit of a wiggle room there. Um, but I've, you know, I've spoken with lawmakers, some that say we support what the, um, what the OEA is asking for, but uh, a $10,000 pay raise, and then in addition to everything else they're asking for, is quite a big lift. Now, the OEA has admitted that they've got a pretty ambitious plan, but they've said this is what we want, or, or we're calling for a strike on, on April 2nd. What's just, what do you feel like the, the mood of the legislature is since the, the threat of a teacher strike was thrown out there? Is there, is there concern? Are there, do you feel like there's lawmakers who are like, I'll believe it when I see it? Is there nervousness? I mean, how would you kind of describe what you've seen? Outwardly, there's not really a whole lot of uh, nervousness. Uh, there's a sense of urgency, of course, um, certainly more than there has been in the past. Um, but I think you know, lawmakers are hoping that they can pull one out um, in in the final days, uh, something, some kind of plan, enough to satiate the the teachers' union, uh, so that they won't uh, lead teachers in a walkout and uh, have them descend upon the Capitol on April second. Yeah. You get the feeling that, you know, they said the teachers union was against a Senate proposal. Um, so are they holding out, do you think, for a proposal like we saw in February that was kind of a comprehensive, big umbrella, everything they're asking for under it? Because, I mean, the Senate could say and probably had said, like, listen, this is just one aspect of it. Let's get through this and then we'll move on to some of the other areas. Right. Well, when you're talking about legislation, um, one thing that, that people will tell you is that if it's not all, like, in, in the same vote, and there's no guarantee that you're going to get it. You know, the, the Senate could say, um, yeah, let, let's do this right now. May, maybe tomorrow or the next day we'll get to that, this, and the, this, that, and the other. Um, but you, you really can't trust the legislature to do that because attitudes change, minds change, um, and votes change uh, over time. And so uh, I think it's probably understandable that if you're a lobbying group, you want everything to be kind of within close proximity of each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was interesting, yeah, Justin. It's worth remarking that we we talk about how a Senate vote surprisingly failed because Republicans have yeah. a majority. This is a tax increase vote and we're surprised that Republicans didn't have enough votes for it. That we, our colleague Chris Castile likes to remind us that this is remarkable how many Republicans are going on the record and putting their vote out there in favor of a tax increase. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves of that because we've seen it several times over the last several months, but we still have to remember that that is a, a pretty remarkable uh, change, I think, in, in Republican orthodoxy, that you'd yeah. be willing to vote for a tax increase, overwhelmingly, most Republican senators. Yeah, no, that's a great that's a great point. And you know, close observers of politics will know that in Oklahoma, you know, it takes three fourths of the legislature to approve a tax uh, a tax increase in the legislature. And um, you know, we were talking about this before that you know, yes, the legislature has failed to increase taxes over the last several months, um, but that failure is different than it was a couple years ago. I mean, a couple years ago, they wouldn't even been close. And granted, at the end of the day, it's all about what results they get for mm -hmm. for, for most people. Um, but you know, when I'm talking to Republic, moderate Republicans um, in interviews, a, a lot of times they like they're like, you know, you need to stress to your readers that like 
like w how many Republicans are actually voting for a tax increase? Like they for, so for, yeah, that goes back to your kind of point of the oddity of it. Like they they let them know how many of us are actually voting to increase taxes, which is odd. Not something you hear in election year um, a lot, but they want to stress like, hey, it's it's a handful of people that is keeping us from from moving forward. So we've you know two years ago there was a big debate: is this a spending problem? Is it a revenue problem? If you pulled Oklahomans, there may be still a pretty split, uh, split in this conservative state, but a lot of lawmakers, for most lawmakers, I think it's definitive right now, like, hey, we've got a revenue problem. It's just reaching that hurdle, that, that three-fourth hurdle. Yep, yeah, they, can't, they can't meet it. You know, it's been uh, more than 25 years since uh, Oklahoma voters said that it should take three-fourths of the legislature to pass a tax increase or um, in the alternative, bring it up for a statewide vote and have 51% of, uh, of voters. Mm -hmm. uh, and that hasn't happened. Yeah. You've said before that, we talked about this on, a few weeks ago on the show, that in order to strike, teachers will need some bill that they can really tie themselves to and say, pass this or we're not coming back. I mean, have, have, it seems like they've moved ahead without that, right? And they've come out against certain measures. First, they sort of said, we're not going to tell you how to raise the revenue. That's mm -hmm. your job. You're the legislature. Now, but they have struck down a couple ideas, yeah. you know, along the way. Just this week, um, not only the, the failed Senate vote, but also uh, McCall's measure yeah. announced yesterday that you were at the press conference. You wrote about that. And so they have been willing to say, don't do it this way. They haven't quite said, let's do it this way, or this is the one bill that we do want. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And you're right, because you, you look at the last time that there was a statewide teacher strike in 1990. The focus was on not just a bill, but the emergency clause for a bill. It was a four-day strike, and the, and the goal was clear. Pass 1017, pass the emergency clause of 1017 to enact uh, this piece of legislation immediately. Um, and we don't have that. And I, and I think if the, if the teachers union was honest, they'll probably tell you the reason why um, they didn't get to the strike conversation sooner was because there was no bill. And maybe something like the step up plan we saw in February, which the teachers union was in favor, maybe if we saw that later in session, maybe that would have been something they mobilized around. But after that, there has not been a bill. I think they probably were led to this by, you know, kind of the, the viral force of, of teachers on social right. media and the inspiration from West Virginia, and they didn't want to get left behind, essentially, on this. And they wanted to take the, the, the lead on but it. There's some politicians in Oklahoma who are saying that this was um, kind of a ruse by the uh, the teachers union, the OEA itself, that, that for the most part, teachers in Oklahoma don't want to have a, a walkout. I've, I've read that. Um, what's... What's the what's the thinking behind that? What's the difference? Well, I mean, it's it's interesting because you you say that yeah that I think I think there's some truth to that in the sense that um, the OEA was not prepared to call a strike, but there was there was so much chatter on social media, and a lot of times the chatter on social media, as you all know, gets magnified. It's you know maybe it's not a fair representation of you know of everyone, but it it's, it can feel bigger than it really is. Yeah. I, and I, and I do definitely think it was pretty big, and I think. There's been this talk of a possible strike for months, but West Virginia really kind of inspired some in Oklahoma, and there was this big groundswell. And, you know, and I think the OEA felt like, hey, we don't want to get left behind on this. We want to be at the forefront. We feel like we need to be the leaders of this. But at that moment when they call, said that they were going to call for a strike, if you polled every teacher across Oklahoma and said, are you going to strike on April 2nd, I would... I would wager that most probably weren't even really aware of it. And I don't mean that as an insult, like they weren't paying attention. I mean, I just, um, by calling for a strike, 
And by giving yourself until April 2nd, you also give yourself a time to now start your marketing campaign or UPR right. to get, get the word out. And, and now we're seeing more school districts that are saying, hey, we've, we're talking with our teachers and teachers are saying, yeah, now that I think about it, I will. So there's probably some truth to that. What came first is kind of hard, hard to say. And not every teacher is politically active. There's, I'm sure there's a core group of administrators and teachers who you know, go to these, uh, go to you know, the OEA meetings mm -hmm. and, and are active and involved with the legislature. Yeah. Um, and whether that's fair representation of the teacher body uh, as a whole, I don't know. Yeah, it, you know, you talk about the political activities of teachers. Uh, it was in 2016. Um, we took, uh, well, we didn't, but with uh, Sooner Poll um, and working with us for some polling over this over a state question, um, ran the the list of licensed teachers through the voter rolls and found that they pretty much mirror almost exactly the state as a whole, which mm -hmm. makes kind of sense. I mean, yeah. that big of a body, tens of thousands of teachers, um, they they lean Republican. Um, they've probably have the, about the same voting turnout as, as the state as a whole. Um, so when you're talking about teachers, you're not, I think sometimes people kind of equate the teachers right now as this like kind of progressive group. And sometimes I think that's because unions get kind of pegged that way. But really, Oklahoma teachers are like Oklahomans. They're, you know, they're pretty conservative. Now, I have gotten some emails from some teachers, too, that have said, you know, I'm not, I don't want to be walking out, you know, I don't, I don't agree with this plan. Mm -hmm. um, and there are schools that have said that they're not going to participate, um, you know, and so we'll have to kind of see what, what the end result ends up looking like. Right. And so not to be outdone, um, but yesterday Speaker McCall had a uh, presentation with professional Oklahoma educators where he presented uh, a 60 by 6 uh, plan. Yeah. So, so, so what, what is... Uh, Kind of run down McCall's plan and and who are professional Oklahoma ed educators? Is this aligned in any way with OEA? No, and OEA, as Justin mentioned, quickly came out against this plan. I mean, I, I actually plan to kind of follow up on this a little in a little bit more detail in Saturday's uh, paper, but um, we didn't get a lot of details. We got a, a pretty detailed spreadsheet, but the the plan is basically that over the course of six years to increase funding um, by well over seven hundred million to pay for a teacher pay raise that. It was said at the podium yesterday that could average as, or could be as much as $20,000 increase in pay for some Oklahoma teachers. The 60 by 6 uh, refers to a teacher that hits, I don't even know it's in front of me, I think it's, it's you hit your 20th year of teaching, you'll be making $60,000. It's, it it's a sizable step up. Uh, and um, Speaker McCall described it as a way to propel us to the leader in the region and it was said that it would be that we would have the 13th highest pay, go from last to 13th highest. Um, the big question is how do you how do you pay for it? And um, and there was no talk about that, no details of that. In fact, it was kind of casually dismissed as like, well, we can worry about that later. Right now, here's the plan. I figured that the teachers union would come out and say, hey, speaker, we agree with you. There needs to be a pay raise, and maybe we've got different ideas on what the pay raise would look like, but let's work together to find a solution. They immediately called it a political stunt, which, you know, is probably a political calculation on their part, too, um, on what they want to do. But, I, you know, going back to what you had said, Justin, about, you know, the OEA didn't put out any plans on how to pay for it. They left it up to the legislature, but, not, but they have kind of, you know, dismissed some plans. I wonder, with the Senate vote earlier this week, Democrats were in lockstep against it. Right. Um, I just, you know, this is just a theory and kind of talking with some people, but I wonder if there was some thinking with the teachers union that, hey, this plan, we don't know that it's got the legs to pass in the House. It's not going to do everything we wanted to do anyways. So there's not, not a lot riding for us on this plan. 
Democrats are against it. So let's throw them a bone. Because I do think that if, when the, if a teacher strike happens and there's a bill on the floor, the pressure is probably going to have to be put on the Democrats. Because as we've said, there's enough moderate Republicans to get you close, but you're either going to need far right Republicans to join or Democrats to join. And it's a lot more likely to get Democrats to approve a tax yeah. increase than it's going to be the far right. And so at some point, I have to imagine, this, is, this would be my, my, my theory, that if at some point, if, a, if the pressure is put in the legislature, if there is a bill on the floor and they're, and they're having to flex their muscle to try to get it through, that, that pressure is going to have to be put on, on Democrats. It's a very, very good point. Uh, it, it, it's ultimately going to come down to a handful of votes. The, the most that the legislature's ever had on the board uh, at one time for a tax increase, I think it was about 70. And um, that was, you know, that was with conservative, conservative Republicans uh, voting no and most Democrats voting yes. That was in November on the, uh, the A-plus plan. Mm -hmm. that, that didn't pass. You know, they mm -hmm. still didn't have enough votes. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to come down to, um, to which Democrats you can convince uh, to change their vote uh, or, uh, in the alternative, convince leadership that they need to uh, pass some other kind of tax increase that they haven't even considered already. Yeah. You've mentioned some terms like marketing by the, um, by the teachers union and, you know, getting mm -hmm. the political calculations right. That's essential right now. There is a PR battle right now. Mm -hmm. If you are going to if you're striking in any area of labor, but especially a, a public strike, a, a, you know, a teacher's union, public employee, something like that, it is just crucial that you sell it to the people of this state that you have to do this, that the legislature is failing, and therefore we have no other option. And they have a couple weeks to convince the state, basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. uh, parents and you know, the older students here are politically active, that uh, this is the right move. And how they decide, you know, where to hedge, where, you know, where do you get behind a bill, where do you slam other measures is just so crucial right now. And for them to make that statement so quickly yesterday, to come out against the McCall plan is a political calculation. It, whether they know it or not, I think they know it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that is just every, every step they take right now is such a PR um, battle in this overall war, because they really do have to convince the public of a conservative state that as a labor union, they are right to do this, especially when it's going to affect so many people. I mean, the students, parents, who will now have to, you know, find different yeah. uh, resources. And I mean, just it's, it's just such a major uh, battle right now, and the PR is so important yeah. on all sides, but especially from the union yeah. or teachers. No, that's a great point. Is, is there going to be any uh, advertisements on TV with OEA saying this is why we're doing it. The, um, not just earned media, which they're going to get a lot of, mm -hmm. but paid media um, to to get their message out and say, you know, parents, you know, this is why we're doing this, and I hope you stand with us. You know? I imagine so. I mean, they have a a, a political machine already mm -hmm. in place. They they were behind the state question in 2016. I mean, long before that, they've obviously been involved in campaign efforts. Um, and I, you know, what's interesting is when you look at the, when they have had their press conference last week and you kind of look at some of their events, I mean, in the room are some of the, the, 
the bigger education advocates that have dabble that are, you know play a, an important role in politics. So that's definitely going to be a piece of it. And you're right about the the public relations. What makes a statewide strike like this different than maybe the kind of traditional strike that most people think about? Like in 1979, there was a teacher strike against Oklahoma City Schools for for increase in pay, and that you know that's direct. You're making management feel the pain because and management is the one that ultimately has to decide. Um, I mean, yes, you're kind of making parents feel the pain a little bit, but really it was directed at, at management, and they're the ones that are going to have to decide. Well, a statewide strike like this, it's going to be a pain for schools, but school leaders have been advocating for increases in funding and pay for a long time. So obviously the legislature is not necessarily going to be moved by more superintendents calling, uh, calling them. Um, the pain is going to be felt, and it's kind of the point of the strike, right? You've got you to you gotta cause some disruption. That's a protest. Yeah. Um, the pain, like you said, the pain is going to be felt with parents, um, community leaders, just average Oklahomans. I think there are probably ways that a, that a school closure will impact them that they don't even know about yet. You know, we'll see what that looks like. Um, and the, what it's going to hinge on is who does the public blame? Do they blame the legislature? Yes. Do they blame teachers? And there are plenty of people that are going to blame both sides. Um, but who are people going to blame, especially in some of these key in some of these key districts? And that's why I think it's going to be interesting to watch what kind of pressure gets put on Democrats. And I mean, and Democrats will say, "Hey, that's unfair to say to us." I mean, the Republicans are in control, and, and yes, we all get that. But they've got some power right now. They've got some yeah. leverage. Oh, yeah. And 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 you know, if you look if you look at the last two years, the Democrats have have gotten a lot. I mean, they haven't really maybe got that signature vote, but they've got. I mean, they've moved the legislature to to their side. When you look at votes on taxes, as we've said, mm -hmm. this is a fairly moderate dare I say, left of center legislature right now. I mean, in terms of their votes on taxes. The, the, the Democrats have punched above their weight. They have, over yeah. The last, over the last two years. And uh, it was really brought home in a debate yesterday um, on a bill that would put a, a ballot question uh, on, the, uh, on the ballot in November uh, asking voters, should we lower this 75% threshold? And uh, State Representative Scott Emmon, who has been kind of the face of mm -hmm. legislative Democrats, for the last two years, uh, not so much since he's kind of stepped back from mm -hmm. running for governor, but uh, he, he came out and said, um, I have to vote against this bill that would um, uh, that could lead to a lowering of this threshold. He said, I'm going to vote against this because if we give you this power, mm -hmm. you're just going to pass the wrong kinds of tax increases, mm -hmm. essentially is what he said. Uh, and it was a... Uh, uh, for me, anyway, a, a remarkable uh, admission that that uh, that the Democrats understand what what kind of power they have uh, and are willing to use it um, in order to get the kinds of uh, of results that they want. Yeah, yeah, that's a great. That's that's really interesting, a fascinating point. And I think, mm. like I said, it's it's been an interesting couple of years for Democrats. I mean, they took took it on the chin again in many ways in 2016 election, but they picked up some seats, and since then, they've won some special elections. There's definitely been some momentum with them. This is an important time for them, and maybe not at this exact moment, but I'd, if, if teachers are going to strike, and they are, they are determined to stay out of classrooms until they get that complete package, or at least somewhere close to that, some kind of significant funding increase, um, there's going to be pressure on Republicans, but there's going to be a lot of pressure on Democrats, and it's going to be really interesting to watch how they um, you know, which way which way they, d they decide to, to go on that. So, is a, a now a question for you, Ben? Since you're covering a lot of this, are school boards um, doing what they can to support the t 
teachers. I mean, I've seen uh, the the agenda for the I think Western Heights mm -hmm. has a meeting today, yeah. and they and they've got a um, sort of a, a list, a breakdown of everything that's that they're going to be ready for. Mm -hmm. um, if if for some reason they don't have enough teachers to have school, yeah, um, come April second. Um, yeah, uh, in a lot of ways, yes. Um, I mean, it's hard to say that. I mean, obviously, every single 500 plus school districts across the state. Um, but uh, the OEA has said well over 50 school boards have already voted to support teachers and by support they mean we're going to close schools during a strike and by closing schools that supports teachers because school's off so they're 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 getting paid they're not going to go into personal time in mm. some situations as a teacher's salary would have to pay for a substitute and some extreme measures so by closing school it's like a snow day everyone's off go do your thing um, some school boards have said hey we're gonna give five days and see what happens some have said ten um, you know, and, and of course schools in a lot of cases can't meet if, there's, if teachers are gone too. Um, I know Oklahoma City officials have said, hey, more than 20% of our teachers are gone. We don't have the subs uh, to do it. Uh, some school boards, some smaller school districts have said um, that they're not going to participate or at least they're not going to, you know, not, as a, not officially uh, close school. Paul's Valley is one uh, that said here close to the metro. Um, interesting is Putnam City Schools earlier this week said they're going to give one day, April 2nd, they're going to close schools, but then after that they expect their teachers back. Um, yesterday, or actually in today's paper, uh, Tim Willert reported that uh, they've gone ahead and given, said, well, okay, we'll give five. Uh, and, and a lot of that stemmed from the pressure that they got from teachers. So whether or not the majority of teachers were on board two weeks ago, a week ago, whatever it is today, teachers are still kind of driving the conversation and, and Putnam City is, is, a, is a good example of that. Well, and I, I think the capital is going to be a busy place on April 2nd. Definitely. I mean, there's, yeah. I mean, we saw 25,000 teachers in, man, was it 15 or 14? I can't remember when that last big yeah. really rally was. Um, and I, I think it's likely we'll see, we'll see more than that. I know the union's already planning logistics of how do you, you know, satellite parking and busing people in and getting Porter potties. In. I mean, you know, they're, they're they're gearing up for it, so it'll definitely definitely be interesting. Um, before we wrap up, uh, we haven't talked about elections the last couple of weeks, as we kind of been focused on that. But <laughs> the have. the elections continue to come, um, especially in uh, the fifth district here in Central Oklahoma for Congress. Yeah. Um, Democrats may be feeling a little better about their odds now. Yeah, I mean, you know, you had a, a Pennsylvania congressional race, a special election. I, I'm always hesitant to refer to special elections as harbingers because they're, they're just so unique in their own, I mean, the, the amount of money that comes in, each district is a little unique, of course. But you know, certainly Democrats have a lot of uh, momentum right now across the country. There's a sense that this is a, a wave election. Even uh, people like Tom Cole, I mean, Republican from Moore, and uh, Congressman who knows quite a bit about elections, uh, has indicated this is a blue wave year. Um, whether that wave, so to speak, could reach Oklahoma. <laughs> I mean, like any wave from the coast, it would have to come a long way. But um, it, it seems unlikely, but it, it's more and more likely as time goes on. I mean, Democrats here still have to, and there are four Democratic candidates competing to run against Russell. And we'll see how many of them file, but so far four have announced their candidacy. Uh, they'll still have to raise quite a bit of money. Kendra Horn has. The others have not. Um, but and you, there are some other factors there, but it, it seems like it could be competitive here. If We've talked before. If any district will be competitive, it will be the 5th district. I mean, this is uh, a district that some people expect to go blue, and some Democratic strategists I've talked to 
you know, expect to go blue, the district to go blue. Expect the district to go blue at some point. Oh, blue! It's all, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know whether it'll be this okay. year or not. Like wow, remains to be seen. <laughs> but yeah. there's a sense that the demographics appeal to Democrats. Uh, we've talked about this before, mm-hmm. and this is a district that's becoming more urban. It has um, you know more minority voters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's headed that direction. Whether it this year is probably sooner than most people expect it to go blue. And of course, you could have after the census, you could have it change anyway. But mm-hmm. um, there is a sense that if Democrats, if all things line up well, and there is a blue wave in 2018, that a Democrat could have a chance against Congressman Russell. And the, so the and so the rating for the district is changing in terms of it has yeah. Do. I mean, you had um, Crystal Ball, one of the many uh, ratings groups out there, uh, changed it from solid Republican to likely Republican. Mm-hmm. That means what it says. It's a likely Republican district. You know, it is still Congressman Russell's race to lose. Um, however, he uh, we'll see. I mean, it could be closer than I would have said a year ago when I was pretty skeptical, even six months ago when we've talked about it. I mean, I was uh, pretty skeptical, but it's starting to get uh, a little more competitive. Is that because I, I would imagine that for I mean there are there are districts that are more solidly Republican than the fifth, um, even it, obviously the rest in Oklahoma are this right. way, um, but this is still one of the more conservative districts in in America. Do you feel like that the the shift in, in to likely is just kind of a, the ripple effect from this week's election in Pennsylvania, where they're like, hey, let's reassess kind of some that we thought were th- you know, in the sense that like, are do you I mean it's probably not coming from some like real hard polling. In central Oklahoma, but right. maybe to the effect of like, hey, you know what, suburban Pittsburgh kind of shifted. Maybe the suburbs of a city like Oklahoma City could shift. Yeah, and no, it, it was interesting. I was talking to a, a political analyst a couple of days ago who does does a lot of models, and so mm-hmm. he he punched the numbers in the minority voters. I mean, the demographics of the district. He said, you know. You have a blue district here. <laughs> I said, "Well, no, we don't." But, and he knew that what I meant by that. I mean, this is a traditionally a Republican district, but the demographics, the hard numbers, look like a blue district. Mm. The difference is the evangelicals who come out to every election and overwhelmingly Republican. Minority voters uh, just do not vote as often as evangelical voters on the right. And obviously, you have an evil evangelical congressman in Russell, and previously in you know James Langford. And so, this is a district that. Strictly on paper, could go blue, but you'd have to have a uh, a lot of turnout from Democrats and moderate Republicans for the Democratic candidate, probably, and it remains to be seen whether that can be done. Well, and is this, uh, I mean, you talk about the, the importance of evangelical voters, um, and there's a spectrum on the evangelical scale, of course, you know, and you have many that have been locked in step with the Republican Party for, for decades now over a few core issues, including... Uh, Pro pro life, and uh, but are we kind of feeling like maybe some of those core values are being, for lack of a better term, trumped by our president? I mean, in the sense that there's a feeling, and I almost wonder if like that's where we've seen kind of the shift in the suburbs. Because I mean, you're you're rural evangelical voter, where I mean it's it's a school, gas station, and a church in that town. I mean, it's a core part of who they are. I mean, it doesn't seem like you would expect much of a shift, but for your, like, suburban, um, evangelical voter where, you know, social issues may not be quite as important, but just kind of a, 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 a quality of life, a moral life, um, I would imagine at some, bo- at some point kind of the sound bites of the, at least Democrats are hoping that kind of the sound bites of a president is kind of maybe shifting the thought there. I mean, how much of an impact do you feel like Trump is going to have 
in a district like the fifth district here and and if he does have a big impact does it doesn't it may not necessarily mean that it's a negative one right yeah and there's there's always i mean trump is going to kind of preside over <laughs> every election in some way i mean he's just that big of a personality how much of a, an impact he'll have is as you pointed out it will be in the evangelicals has he distanced you know has he distanced evangelicals from the party a little bit some who are willing to not come out or you know could even vote third party or for a democrat that remains to be seen i'm, I'm skeptical of that um, but there are some. There are a lot of factors here. There's there's a uh, gubernatorial factor here. If Mick Cornett is on the November ballot, he's presumably going to do better in Oklahoma City than the other Republican candidates point. would, and that's going to trickle down down ballot. Therefore, you know you would have a Republican in Oklahoma City is more likely to go to the ballot because he wants to support Mick Cornett. While he's there, he's also going to vote, almost certainly, he or she would almost certainly vote for Steve Russell as well. So you may have some higher turnout for Russell if Cornett's at the top of the ballot, um, but there are just so many factors right now. It's still early, mm-hmm. uh, but I know Democrats are very excited right now. They're seeing that wave building a little bit, whether or not it could come here. I'm still skeptical, but it's looking more likely than it did even a few months ago. Yeah. Yeah, well, and you're right, though, so many other factors. And it's one thing to say, you know, look at a special election in Pennsylvania or Alabama, and I know a lot of, you know, maybe national pundits will, you know, that's the lens they're looking at it. Like, hey, well, what factors that we saw at play here, can they play in a place like Oklahoma? There's some validity to that thinking, but you're right. There's some local factors at play, too. A governor's race, a potential teacher strike. I mean, there are a lot of things that will, will have an impact in the election. But, uh, yeah, uh, will be will definitely be interesting to, to watch. You got a story on that? I'm on hoping that. to, yeah, maybe Monday. We'll, okay. we'll see. Okay. Uh, or early next week. But, yeah, there's plenty to write about, um, plenty to write about uh, with that race and much more to come, certainly, in the next few months. As, as those campaigns ramp up and more people start looking at the odds, um, you know, on both sides. Yeah, yeah. Well, sounds good. We'll look forward to that. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Political State from the Oklahoman. Thanks for joining us this week. Thanks to Dale and Justin. I'm Ben with the Oklahoman. We will see you again for another episode next Friday.